This podcast is made possible by listeners like you. Please be sure to subscribe and share with friends and family. To help support this ministry, please visit allentempleamecom slash donate. Thank you for listening. Our scripture lesson that was read this morning came from the gospel according to Dr. Luke. It was the 20th chapter and the reading was from the 1st through the 8th verse. And I'll read it one more time into your hearing. One day, as Jesus was teaching the people in the temple courts and proclaiming the good news, the chief priests and the teachers of the law, together with the elders, came up to him. Tell us by what authority you're doing these things, they said. Who gave you this authority? He replied, I will also ask you a question. Tell me, John's baptism, was it from heaven or of human origin? They discussed it among themselves and said, if we say from heaven, he will ask, why didn't you believe me? But if we say of human origin, all the people will stone us because they are persuaded that John was a prophet. So they answered, we don't know where it was from. Jesus said, neither will I tell you by what authority I am doing these things. I want to begin by telling you three stories. The first story I have shared with you before in the past, but it bears repeating again in the context of today's message. The second story may be new to you, and the third made national headlines back in 2015. Three different stories that I want to share with you. The first story is about a small group of people that were standing at a major intersection on the streets. And along the streets, there were multiple high-powered vehicles, cars, trucks coming and going along this intersection. Suddenly, an officer in uniform steps out into the middle of the street and raises his hand with a white glove. And instantly, all the vehicles on either side stopped. And then he motioned to the people to cross the street. A very familiar scene. That's the first story. The second story is told of the Right Honorable W.E. Gladstone, when he served as Prime Minister of Great Britain. On one occasion, he brought to Queen Victoria an important document that required her signature in order for it to become law. The Queen objected to it, and after some discussion, she refused to sign it. The Prime Minister was rather insistent, and in an unusually urgent tone, he said, Your Majesty, you must sign this bill. The queen turned to him a bit enraged and said to him, Sir, I am the queen of England. Unmoved, the prime minister said now quietly, Yes, you are, but your majesty, I am the people of England. After a little thought, she accepted the situation and signed the document. The third story is about a woman by the name of Kimberly Davis who served as the county clerk of Rowan County in Kentucky. 
She gained national media attention after defying a federal court order requiring that she issue marriage licenses following the Supreme Court's decision stating, well, actually, it started the same-sex marriage controversy in Kentucky. After the Supreme Court decision, Davis began refusing to issue any license to either same-sex or opposite-sex couples. Four couples actually filed now a lawsuit against her, and they eventually ruled that she had to do this, and she still refused. She refused because she said she cannot act outside of God's authority. She was subsequently jailed for contempt of court, then released five days later. When she returned to work, she stated she would not interfere with her deputies who had begun issuing licenses according to the court order. Under the backdrop of these three stories that I've just told you, I want to talk today about authority. And many of us, whether we accept it or not, or respect it or not, do recognize and operate under some kind of authority. Mm -hmm. Whether through our places of worship or our places of employment or whether in family structures or local church organizations, we all find ourselves functioning in some degree under some kind of authority. The question then becomes, as you look at your lives and the way that you function, do you know under whose authority you are doing the things that you do? For in reality, whether you believe me or not, there is an authority that you are surrendered to. So for today, I'll speak a message that I've titled quite simply, By My Authority. Let us pray. Father, in the name of Jesus Christ, we've now come to the preaching hour. Spirit of the living God, you are here. Now, Lord, use this preacher to speak a message that is clear and articulate and edifies your people. Some may find you through this message. Others may be strengthened. But at the end of the day, may all hear you. For no one came to hear me. This I pray in Jesus' name. Amen. Everyone, please stand. You may be seated. So through this very simple social exercise, I've just demonstrated to you a measure of your adherence and obedience to perceived authority. Some of you may or may not know anything about me or even about my character, but you all responded and were willing to respond at a command that came from me, a person to whom you have chosen to submit whether or not I have earned or deserved your respect. (laughs) Why did you do it? And under what authority did I cause you to stand? Now, before we go too far, I must share with you that there is a very big difference between power and authority. In our first story, the traffic officer, no matter how strong he may think he is, cannot in his own strength stop any one of those vehicles even if he tried. He could run out into the middle of the street and push on a truck and believe me, you're going to be looking at a very flat officer. The officer has no power in and of himself to stop any of those vehicles from coming. 
Yet he has something far better. He doesn't have the power to stop the vehicles, but he has the authority to do so. You see, that authority comes from an entity that he serves and to whom he is the servant of. And moving vehicles, as well as the crowd on the side of the street, they recognize the authority under which he was operating. And because they recognized it, they obeyed. The glove comes up, and everyone knows what it means, for everyone is in agreement with what has given him that authority. So in reality, you all stood up because you recognize an authority that was invested in me by the church. Yes, the AME church bestowed upon me an authority to operate as an ambassador for its mission and its motives here in the city of Mount Vernon. I represent a very powerful organization that has authorized me to take command of this pulpit and you all recognize that authority and you obey that authority, which was why you stood up. Authority then, my brothers and my sisters, is delegated power. Authority is delegated power. And for those of us who are believers in the finished work of Jesus Christ, this is critically important because what it suggests is that when we are fully conscious of the divine power that is behind us and when we are clear about under whose authority we function, then we can face the enemy of our souls without fear or hesitation. For in the book of Matthew chapter 28, it says, Jesus says, all authority has been given to me. That's what he says. And also in Luke, Jesus says, I have given you authority to trample on snakes and scorpions and to overcome all the power of the enemy and nothing will harm you. Those are Jesus' words, not mine. So Jesus, who has all authority, has delegated this power for you and me to overcome the challenges that we face. And under that authority, make no mistake about it, every knee shall bow and every tongue will confess that Jesus Christ is Lord. Amen. And Lord of all. Yes. That's what we believe. Now, the idea of delegation is seen in our second story of the queen and the prime minister and it beautifully illustrates the question of authority when two opposing powers actually meet. Every conflict you face in life, I don't care what it is, every conflict you face in life has an origin. It's coming from somewhere. Either it's coming from a source of light or it's coming from a source of darkness. If you are walking in the light as Jesus is in the light, then the forces of darkness will come to challenge you. If you are walking in darkness and you are walking in disobedience, then the forces of light will come to convict you. But something is going to come to you depending on where you are in your spirits and what you are walking with and with whom. The challenges you face, my brothers and sisters, they are then a good indicator of where you are spiritually. And to make it plain, if all hell is breaking loose around you, chances are you are walking in the light. Think about what I just said. 
If your life is filled with peace and safety and tranquility, chances are you mean no harm to the kingdom of darkness and the devil. Well, I'm just saying. But let me illustrate. Have you ever noticed that every time you make a decision to do the right thing, <laughs> some form of temptation crops up seemingly out of nowhere? Y'all ever notice that? Every time you decide to do the right thing, something comes up out of nowhere. Y'all think that's by accident? Similarly, and especially if you're a child of God, every time, especially if you're a child of God, every time you decide to misbehave, somehow you, someone sends you a text or a, a special Bible verse that's directly related to your situation. Well. <laughs> Am I talking the truth here? Y'all know what I'm saying. You ready to go do your do. And then you hear, ping. And you look at your cell phone or your device and, how'd you know? I'm just saying. You are not functioning, my brothers and sisters, in a vacuum where nothing is of significance. You are right in the center of a battle of opposing forces between the kingdom of light and the kingdom of darkness. The Apostle Paul says in Ephesians, For we wrestle not against flesh and blood, but against principalities, against powers, against the rulers of the darkness of this age, against spiritual wickedness in high places. That's what the Apostle Paul says. Which lets us know that evil has for itself its own power, its own authority, but behind, but behind the authority possessed by the believer, there is a power infinitely greater than the powers of darkness to which the powers of darkness must submit. The question then becomes, my brothers and sisters, do you even know under whose authority you are operating? In our third and final story, Kim Davis, we have, you know, we have somewhat of a, of a different twist. Here is a woman that has been elected by the people to operate under the authority of the office to which she represents. She was elected by the people. Now, her claim is that she cannot, in all conscience, perform a function that violates her religious beliefs. I get it. She further claims that she does not want to put her signature on these documents. Fair enough. But what we should all understand is that her signature is not what makes those unions legal in the state. Her signature as clerk only testifies that she has been given the right to issue licenses based on the authority of the state and to make what she signs an official record. That's it. And if you are not able to do that function, you are disqualified from the elected office in which you serve. So if she objects, then the appropriate action was for her to resign. For the moment that you assume the responsibility and then challenge the authority of the office to which you swore to uphold, then you are completely disqualified from service. And this has nothing to do with whether or not you believe religiously one way or another. I'm just saying, listen, church, let me bring it home. I, me, personally, standing right here, I can't marry people. Only God can do that. I can't marry you. Only God can do that. For a marriage is an institution ordained by God and in his sight. 
I can't make two become one flesh. And what God has joined together, no man can do what? Put asunder. I serve at the behest of the one who in his authority delegated power so I can operate on his behalf. I can no more marry you any quicker than that police officer can stop the moving traffic on his own. Are you understanding what I'm saying? I'm talking about power and authority. I'm talking about who has the right to do what. And if you are operating on a particular authority that you do not respect, then rebellion is sure to follow. So with all that said, <laughs> let's turn now to what Jesus was talking about in the text. That was all the introduction. <laughs> the text says one day, Jesus was teaching the people in the temple courts and he was proclaiming the good news. And then the bishops and the pastors, the leaders in the church, they came together with the stewards and the trustees. And they came to Jesus and they asked Jesus a question, tell us. By what authority are you doing all these things? By what authority, Jesus, are you performing all these miracles and healing the sick and opening blind eyes and doing all these things, even raising the dead? Jesus, by what authority are you doing all these things? And, and so they came to him in that kind of spirit. But Jesus said, wait, 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 wait. Let me ask you a question instead. Y'all know John the Baptist. When he was out there baptizing people in the Jordan, under whose authority was he doing those things? Who gave John the Baptist the authority to be dipping people into the water? Answer that first before I answer your question. So they conspired. They pulled aside the chief priests, the leaders. They, they huddled in their little executive official board meeting. And they said, well, listen now. Jesus is really smart. If we tell him that it's from heaven, He's going to ask us why then we didn't obey John the Baptist. But if we tell him that it's the authority came from the people, then, you know, the people are going to respond in a certain way and because they believe John was a prophet. So they're going to stone us. So we can't tell him either. So, so here's what we will do. We'll tell him we don't know. Remember the question they asked Jesus was, under whose authority, Jesus, are you doing all these things? So, so we're going to just tell him we don't know. So they come back to Jesus and they huddle back with Bishop Jesus and they say, Jesus, we don't know whose authority John the Baptist was operating in. And Jesus then said, it's in the text, neither will I tell you by what authority I am doing these things. If you don't know the authority that John the Baptist is operating on and you're coming to ask me, Jesus, then I'm not going to tell you either. Now, there are three things I want us to conclude from the text. Number one, Jesus was busy doing the work of his father. He was proclaiming the good news, and up to this point, he had done many works of healing and miracles, and he had performed a lot of good things. So his track record as a credible minister was fully established. That's number one. You cannot deny that he was a good preacher. 
a good pastor. You cannot deny it. The second thing, the chief priests, the teachers of the law, the pastors and the preachers and the bishops and all of them, the elders, they were very much aware of all of Jesus' accomplishments and his credibility. Otherwise, they would not have been asking him by what authority he was doing what he was doing or who gave him the authority. You see, when people start to challenge your authority, it's simply because they acknowledge that you got something. When people start to challenge you, brothers and sisters, believe me when I tell you, it's because you're doing something that lets them know that you ain't ordinary. Let me pause here for a moment and make a statement. Whenever you find that you're operating in a capacity in which you are qualified, there will be people who will want to know how it is that you're doing the things you're doing. Their intent is not always good. Amen. When people start to challenge you, their intent is not, now don't get me wrong, there may be some folks who admire what you're doing. But 99% of the time when people start to challenge you on something, it's because they do not want to recognize your authority or they don't think you're all that. Amen. Amen. Just saying. So the third thing, Jesus knew that they were really not interested in knowing the truth. So he challenged them with a question of his own. Was John's baptism from heaven? Or was it from man? You see, by asking them this question, Jesus saw that they didn't understand authority. So he, and I love this about Jesus, so he took them from his level and brought them down to their level. Let me explain it this way, because we're in school, right? I used to work at Verizon, and like many corporations, they have a hierarchical bureaucratic structure, right? Um, for those of you who are in the corporate world, you understand the order and the structure of the organization. Well, that structure governs how information flows from the top of the food chain, if you will, to the lower levels on the, on, in the company. And the CEO usually sits at the top of the company, but his authority or her authority comes from the board of directors. Right? So the board of directors give the CEO the responsibility to make decisions that causes the company to grow. Are you with me? So the CEO is the big dog. So the CEO makes decisions that impact whether or not the company grows. And whenever the CEO makes good decisions, the company grows and the CEO gets a really big bonus. Now here comes Johnny. Johnny is a first level manager that has just been promoted because Johnny is a good worker and Johnny is feeling himself. Y'all know Johnny. After a few great performance appraisals and some corporate awards, Johnny feels like he's ready for the big leagues. And Johnny got invited to a corporate bash. Johnny is wearing his Brooks Brothers suit, and Johnny is all that. Y'all see Johnny? Johnny's walking around with, he's using his two fingers to hold the wine glass. That's Johnny. Y'all know Johnny. And Johnny is moving through. Well, it so happens that Johnny ends up at the punch bowl with the CEO. The CEO is at the punch bowl, and here comes Johnny. Johnny's friends are looking, and, and they see Johnny, and they're like, Ooh, ooh, Johnny is, he's with the CEO. Ooh, Johnny is going to do it right now. So at the corporate gathering at the punch bowl, 
Johnny uses this opportunity to engage the CEO. And <laughs> he says to the CEO, I'm curious to know why you made that decision to invest in that new technology. And who told you that it was wise to do so? Mm. <laughs> now, <laughs> now, for all of you who understand corporate America, if you understand corporate America, you should know what the next words out of that CEO's mouth is. Here is what I know about corporate America. The first words out of that CEO's mouth when he meets Johnny is, what is your name? And who do you work for? First words out of the CEO's mouth. You walk up to a CEO and ask a question like that, what is your name? and who do you work for? You see, the CEO felt he was being challenged with a question about his authority, right, from someone who does not know anything about anything in the company. You see, for Johnny to ask such a question, he, he doesn't understand that he's clearly out of line and he's ignorant of the authority to which he was <laughs> subject. Who do you think? You are. What gives you the right to think that you can come up and ask me a question that clearly demonstrates that you have no idea who I really am? Are you kidding me? Likewise, after the chief priest challenges Jesus' authority, they come up to him and they say, who gave you this authority? Jesus? Same thing. <laughs> Jesus said, who you think you are? What makes you think, you with your little fancy robe and your little hat that you get from the missionary society, can make you come and ask me, under what authority I am doing the things that I can do? Can you lift the things that I lift? Can you suffer the baptism to which I must suffer? Can you do any of the things that I, what gives you the right to come and question and challenge me? I tell you what, when Jesus said to those people, under whose authority did John the Baptist do what he was doing is the same way as Jesus saying, what's your name? Mm -hmm. Let me show you how much you don't know what you are asking. They don't know to whom they were subject. And that's why Jesus says, neither will I tell you by what authority I am doing these things. They did not know how to recognize the authority of John the Baptist. Then what makes you think you can recognize the Jesus' authority? The question was a set-up question. And because he knew it, he would not dignify them with an answer. Brothers and sisters, whenever people challenge your authority and you begin to answer their question, you have already dropped to their level. Now, I'm not saying that people can't come and ask you questions. Please don't interpret it that way. Let me give you an example. It's like I'm the pastor of this church. You can ask me anything you want in this church. But if you come to me and say, well, Pastor, what gives you the right to think that you can baptize this person? I beg your pardon? What gives you the right to think that you can speak into my life? I beg your pardon? You all heard when I prayed the today. That I said what? Even in the prayer, remember, by the authority you've given to me through the blood of your son, Jesus Christ. Did I not say that? Which means that the answer to every single one of your prayers is not coming from me. 
If I believe in the God that I say I believe in, I'm asking God to do for you what I cannot do. In the very same way, I can't marry you, I can't do any, I can't divorce you, I can't do any of those things, only God can do it. I can't heal your body, I can't make you have peace in your life, I cannot rescue your children, I cannot do any of those things, and I am clear that all I'm wearing is a white glove. Are you hearing what I'm saying? And many of us in the church and many of us in the world, we have given these major, major responsibilities unto the leaders in our communities, thinking that they can do the things that if it wasn't for the grace of God, they wouldn't even be standing in a pulpit or even sitting in a chair in the White House in the first place. Understand your authority. Understand whom you serve and recognize that authority because the moment you start to think and believe that you're bigger than who you are, you're going to sound just like Johnny and Jane, just in case. <laughs> you do not have to prove yourself to anyone when you're operating under God's authority. Do what God has asked you to do, and that alone, because the moment he takes his hand off of you, everyone will know that you no longer have it. In the very same way that people can laud you and applaud you for the great things you're doing, is the very same way that they will ridicule you when they see that the authority has left you. Which is why David said, he prayed the prayer, and he said, take not your spirit from me. Because the moment the spirit is gone from David, all the wonderful things that David does, he can't do no more. Mm -hmm. Many people know, remember Samson, right? Yeah. And what did, what did Delilah do? She cut off his locks. Now, everybody, most, a lot of people, not everybody, think that Samson's power was in his locks. Right. Let me just give you a quick Bible study. Most people depict Samson when they look at him as this muscle-bound guy coming down the street. If Samson was that big and muscular, do you think people would be asking him where he got his strength from? Because they would assume it was his muscle. When Samson was doing all these great things, the thing that amazed people was because he was skinny like Shaggy. And when you see someone doing these things, and you're like, how could this guy be doing these things? It must be something else. And that was what drove the curiosity. Because brothers and sisters, when you are operating in your anointing and in your strength, you do not always look like the God you serve. Amen. You're always broken and weak. And people see you and they're like, how are you able to do what you're doing? How are you able to, after such a devastating loss, be able to find peace? How are you able to, in the midst of all the chaos in your life, be able to still sing? Are you with me? How are you able, are you hearing what I'm saying? You are able to do exceedingly, abundantly, above all that you can ask or think according to the God that is working in you. Show me somebody who is completely broken and completely lost and cannot fend for themselves, but still have the joy of the Lord. And I will show you someone who is full of the Spirit. Because God, the scriptures tell us, he helps those who are weak. For his strength is made perfect in their weakness. The weaker you are is the stronger you are in the Lord. And that's what you walk by. For we walk by, what did the text say? We walk by faith, not sight. Not by might, nor by 
power, but by his spirit. You see how it all connects, brothers and sisters? What I'm trying to tell you is that the thing that you want is not to be better or stronger. The thing that you want is to be more faithful. For the more faithful you are, the greater the likelihood that God's going to show up on your behalf. So let me wrap this up. One of our goals here at this church is to mature in our faith to the point where we're able to walk with the kind of authority that demonstrates our dominion over the earth as children of God and who have come to the knowledge of who God really and truly is by faith in Jesus Christ. That is the one thing I want more than anything in this church. I don't care whether or not you acknowledge my birthday. I appreciate it. I don't care or not if you acknowledge my pastoral anniversary. I appreciate it. But I care very much if the God I'm preaching is the God you want as well. I care very much if you are inspired to go out and to make changes in your life and in the lives of other people because you know that God is on your side. That will excite me every single time. And that's the truth. Whether we acknowledge it or not, my brothers and sisters, we're walking either in the light or we're walking in the dark. And the kingdom of darkness, though it is powerful, it is subject to the kingdom of light. Despite all the challenges associated with even this spiritual conflict, believe me when I tell you, brothers and sisters, God has given us an advantage. And that advantage is in the person of Jesus Christ, who we come to by faith. Faith comes by hearing and hearing the word of God. And if you're sitting there and you're listening to me and you're wondering, something about that sound really good to me, you're in the best place you could be because the spirit is telling you, I am telling you the truth. Mm. I don't want anything from you, but definitely I want to get something to you. Unseen wolves are entering not sparing the flock. Trained and fearless shepherds need to stand on the wall and face the enemy of our souls with confidence and with every authority. Brothers and sisters, every place where the sole of your foot shall trod, God has given you for an inheritance. And you're either going to take it by force or you will be taken over by its force. Mm. And what I'm telling you is that the white glove of Christ placed on your hand covers your hand. He covers you. He covers you from the crown of your head to the soles of your feet. And when he covers you with his love, he says to you, I will never leave you, nor will I forsake you. Yes, though trials may come, though afflictions may come, it is good for you to be afflicted, for you will know my strength, and my strength will be made perfect every single time in your weakness. Brothers and sisters, believe me when I tell you, Jesus Christ is exactly who he says he is. And when he died and rose again from the grave, he said, all authority is now in my hand. The one thing that people fear more than anything else is death. But he overcame death. 
death when he rose again from the grave and now he ascended to the right hand of God the Father where he sits and he will return again to judge the quick and the dead. That same Jesus says all authority has been given to me and he now gives you and me that authority. The same authority that rose Jesus Christ from the dead resides within you and greater is he that is in you than he that is in the world. So, it begins with belief. It begins with faith. Do you believe that God has made you alive when we were dead in sin? When the things you don't want to do, you still do? And the things that you are still doing that you want to stop doing and all of these things, the, the, the struggle and the fight that you have, do you not know it's coming from somewhere? Yes, yes. How can you overcome when you have tried everything and it failed? Good news. If you truly believe that Jesus is who he says he is and you walk in that authority, when Satan challenges you with lust, Christ says, you've already overcome by my authority. When Satan challenges you with addictions, Christ says, you've already overcome by my authority. When Satan challenges you with infidelity and malice and even depression, Jesus says, you have already overcome by my authority. For the reality is as a believer in faith in Jesus Christ, you walk by his authority. And it is his authority that will allow you to overcome. May the Lord richly, richly bless you, my beloved.